welcome. Grab a snack. Come on in. This is Bob and Joyce. We're former HROD executives who want to support other HROD professionals in doing large, high-impact, bold work in a time that really needs the values and skills of HR and OD. In these podcasts, we will share our experiences on topics that are relevant both to you and today's business world. We're both glad you're here. Welcome, grab a snack, come on in. Hi, Bob. Hey, Joyce. You got your you got your bucket and your mop to do a little bit of cleanup here. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were talking about my red coffee cup. Um, yeah, I think it'd be nice uh, occasionally to look back on a previous. Uh, addition and see if there's something we want to add or correct. Yeah. And I don't want to correct, but I do remember thinking, gosh, it'd be nice to differentiate between a manager and a leader in the role because um, being a leader isn't role bound. That's one thing you can lead from anywhere. And if you can't, you shouldn't lead from the top. Oh, I like that. That was a I nugget. I like that a lot. Okay, ready? Listen, you can lead from anywhere. And if you can't, you shouldn't lead from the top. I think that's all I need to say. <laughs> Except to say <laughs> that this, uh, some people just aren't happy unless they're leading and want that top role. And there is a difference in what they need to do in terms of creating a point of view, getting it communicated, getting alignment with all of that creating the culture that supports the kind of business you're in, blah, blah, blah. But there are people, and God bless them and pay them. A natural manager is something to behold. Can't you, in your head, picture some natural managers? Yes. Yeah. And um, and what is it? What's that magic? What's that one magic thing about a manager? Oh, well, I think part of this, you know, is passion. I there are a handful of uh, great, great managers uh, that were literally uh, heads and shoulders above the rest of their peers. Mm-hmm. And in all likelihood, if they've been promoted to a position higher, mm-hmm. I think not only would their satisfaction plummet. Mm-hmm. But I think their their performance would suffer. It's, so there's yeah. this love of the job. There's passion, um, and they want to get it done. And you know what? They're doing it because of their pride and what yeah. they want to cause, not because of someone back at what we right. used to. Call and they the love, house. love, love their team. And and you talk about discipline. Um, you know, there's the saying: "What you do." every day matters more than what you do once in a while. Yeah. These managers had a cadence of how they led and managed that literally uh, was galvanizing. So that's my take. And I, I'm remembering a workshop that I was doing with all store managers uh, at Food Lion. So it was a huge crowd and we had gotten to a whining place about the job. And I finally stopped. I said, okay, I want to hear why you love this job. And when you're doing it well, what are you doing? (laughs) And it went on and on and on and on. And at the end, they all broke into spontaneous applause for one another. I love it. It was great. 
So, well, and, and so if I were to, looking back at our last episode, almost every one of our stories and uh, examples to me comes down to three things. The people in the middle being seen, understood, and empowered. Mm -hmm. and, and paid well. And paid well. That's right. Yes. I'm not going <laughs> to give up on that. I? Uh, you're not. Hey, no. this is all no. about keeping each other honest. So uh, yes. thank you for sharing that. So, okay, let's get ready to talk about our next topic. Okay. What is it? Hey, Joyce. Hey, Bob. Happy, well, actually, happy Monday, right? We're doing it on a different day this week. <laughs> yes, I know. And happy, drippy, rainy Monday in Maine. Oh, gosh. Well, even, even that, it's spring. So even those days are glorious, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah. They're, yes. Every so, daffodil makes me happy. So, <laughs> so I, 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 have, um, I, I have a need, number one, uh, um, in terms of, you and I kind of discussing this thing we call culture in an organization. Oh my gosh. I know, I know. We've avoided it. We've wanted to do this a couple of times. <laughs> yes, <laughs> once we know what it is. <laughs> oh, no, don't you remember we did a whole thing on culture and we had this very esoteric Buddhist poem about it that was on the cover of the work we did? Do you oh, remember yeah. we had the culture booklet? Oh yeah, absolutely. Which was, we should mention that during this because it's a concrete thing you could do if you wanted to do it. Yeah, I, I, I do remember it. I don't remember all the aspects of it. But but what you just suggested is one idea. That's what I wanted you and I to kind of bat around today. We've both worked both in companies and consulted with companies around their culture. And, and typically, uh, the conversation is uh, given life because there's some level of uh, either dissatisfaction uh, or there's an uneasiness about, is my culture going in the right direction? Uh, right. And so, oh my goodness, who would you ask to find that out? Not you. Not, not me. Not the CEO. <laughs> not the strategy person. Not the HR person. Oh, who would you ask? Hmm. Can I get back to you on that? <laughs> <laughs> the people. <laughs> but, um, and you know, we've worked two ways. One, where we worked with a CEO, where we did get 2,500 people involved in the vision. Yeah. And that kind of involvement kicked off a very different kind of culture. And then we continued to work without talking about it in a very open, small d democratic way, and it grew. And it almost got kiboshed when we tried to name it too hard. So, and then I worked with a CEO, uh, head of a global company who liked OD work, but when he sat down to do a vision, he wrote the vision for the company. Yeah, nice. Tablets from the mountain. That's right. How did that go over? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, and we also, I think, have a habit of thinking culture is so nice. We're all just so nice. There's empathy. Um, we're just happy and we're kind and uh, anybody can do whatever they want that furthers the business, but it's pretty 
oh, I almost used a word I didn't want to use, soft. Mm. So what I want to say that um, I also have worked with a company that is hard driving, mean spirited, <laughs> um, fast. Fast is what, and so before thinking of a culture, it's what's, what culture does the business need? Yeah. And the business needed fast. Don't get your feelings hurt. We're going to bump each, into each other hard. Um, we'll be fair, but tough. Everybody has to carry their own weight. Yeah. Uh, and they wrote this out. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and even said, and you're going to hear strong language because well, we yeah. use it. Yeah, you know, uh, quite honestly, what you're describing uh, is a model that oftentimes law firms mm -hmm. use. Uh, you know, it's a war of attrition. Uh, engineering companies, uh, uh, they often use these kind of hard-edged, uh, my words, uh, attributes that they say, here's what it means to work here. Right, which is important, I think, for hiring and living and all of that. I want to say that the, the one I'm talking about wasn't so staid. Okay. I've worked with several creative, like, um, media groups or ad agencies or marketing. Um, it's kind of, in, in, in the one I'm thinking of, you kind of had to be raw and quick and fast. And on the other hand, you had to be polished to sell and pivot in the meeting, fleet of foot, fleet of mind, fast, 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 smart, smart, smart. Uh, and it wasn't hierarchical. It was all of you can get more money because we build it that way because the, the CEO loves making money. Yeah, I mean, he, That's what he likes to do. He doesn't care about the vision for the world. He's open to it and very good to people, but yeah. that's not what drives his business. Yeah, Creativity so and making money is what drives his business. So I have a question, but I'm going to pull back um, and not to put too much structure on our conversation. Mm -hmm. I think it would be good to talk about what we mean by culture. We've already. Oh, God, I knew you were going to go there. We, we've kind of we've now well we we've kind of ruminated in it and uh, and I, so I think because when when I'm asked to come into a group to talk about culture, the first thing I do is say, "What are we talking about?" What. Mm -hmm. You know, let's all come up with a common uh, definition right. that we feel, you know, this is it. Yeah. And then I thought, because we both have done this, what are some simple and perhaps not so simple interventions, processes you can put in place to help nurture the culture that's the business needs? So, so this is the nine-week webinar we're going to do. This is a nine-week <laughs> webinar, but it's going to be like a... Uh, it's going to be like a Whitman sampler for any of you that are over 60 and know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> so, so can we talk culture first? Yeah. For one thing, it's an unseen but agreed upon set of rules that are at play in the company. Some are said out loud, some are not. But they are, they dominate behavior. So for instance, at Hannaford in particular, culturally, you best be on time. Yeah. There was no sliding in late to a meeting. And that wasn't viewed as cute or I'm busy or anything like that. Joyce isn't kidding. I had a boss once 
uh, we were driving into the meeting. We we're going to be late. And I said, you know, we, we might as well turn around. Mm -hmm. We'd be better mm -hmm. off turning around than, than getting thrown out the meeting. Right. Which I was overruled, but you're, you're right. How, uh, how about, um, go ahead, Joyce. You were going to say. No, something. no, no. I, I'm. If you walk into a company as an anthropologist, which is one of the great benefits of external OD and HR, I can remember um, you'll see things in one company that you won't see in another. And those are the cultural norms in practice. Yeah. One that I observed when I first went to Hannaford was how fast everybody who'd been at retail walked. Mm -hmm. They walked fast. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I'm talking abnormally fast. Uh, <laughs> that the details mattered and could kill you. You had to get details right. Huh. <laughs> I, I shifted the culture. <laughs> no. You had <laughs> to get details way. right. Yeah. The CEO carried fear because he wanted everybody's writing to be perfect. So people spent hours um, making sure memos get, went out perfectly. Yeah. Which is why I loved when our benefit thing went out saying benefits. That was, if it wasn't so incredibly humorous, it could have been fatal. You know, two phone calls. <laughs> out of 48 million people, two phone calls on it. And that was to laugh. Well, that's so, like status. That's like status cling. I think I like Benetits better. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> so um, <we> yeah, <laughs> I think you nailed it as far as the definition. Uh, it drives behaviors. It's required for the business. Um, it's the unstated, unstated norms. Yeah, yeah. And you, and you know how you really find out what a culture is is when you bump into it, and and something says, "Ouch." Yeah, I. They wanted agendas from me for workshops or whatever that were down to like 10, 18, 10, 20. And I refused. So I would say morning, afternoon. And they'd say, well, how do we, when are we going to take, I said, you know what? I'll give you that agenda after the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you'll know. But it was, um, I make that sound easy and funny. Yeah, I had to massage that into the organization by showing them, hey, remember that agenda you wanted? You just blew it. Yeah, <laughs> so. you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, when I think of two examples, when you talk about when you violate it, you know it. And these are kind of polar extremes. You know, there, there are companies where the culture is, if you come to the meeting, you're there for a reason. And mm -hmm. so- it's kind of the unstated and sometimes stated rule that if you're here, you need to uh, bring your thoughts and ideas and reservations into the room mm -hmm. and, and express them freely. The other end of the continuum is one where you do not open your mouth unless you're called upon. And you find out pretty soon. And you find out pretty soon <laughs> when that's violated. Yeah. Um, retail has an anxious culture, I think, because the profit margin is so small 
and it is a million thousand details. It's a lot of juggling, don't you think? It's a ton of juggling. And Handle it's, this product, yeah. Um, well, it, you, it's so, like being in a leaky vessel. Mm-hmm. You know, you have money coming in at the front and you don't know whether it's getting rung up or it's getting rung up at all or right. Uh, you've got an open back door and the product goes both ways. So yeah, it's scary. And pausing activity because activity in detail is what you survive on. Yeah. Pausing activity for a three-day event is scary. Oh yeah, for sure. And resisted. And um, to take the cell phones away is like taking the oxygen tube away. But there was a point in time where uh, in my early days at Hannaford, other than one meeting a year, uh, store managers stayed in their stores. Yeah. So the thought of having them leave their store for right. a day was a, a risk, but God forbid, two or three days. So I'll set yeah. the store managers free. <laughs> so, so I think we've got kind of the definition of culture. Um, how do you assess you know, if I'm being asked to come in or you're being asked to come in or you're new to OD and you're brought into a room and, and there's a conversation about, you know, we, we don't think we're quite where we want to be around the culture. How, how do you even begin to have that conversation? Where do you want to be? That's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and why? Yeah. Because I really do think there's this a should that has developed. We should have a good culture. And I'm all about that, a healthy culture, but it has to fit with the business. Yeah. And um, I have a bias. I want to see as many people. Um, I'm, I'm going to pause on that. We can come back to what some OD principles say, make a healthy organization. And there is, there's tons of writing on that. So I would say, for one thing, bring in two or three examples of assessments of culture and see, let them cherry pick. Remember, we worked with five different leadership styles yeah, or yeah. assessments and instead let people pick and choose. It was like a cafeteria and they got to choose what skills they felt the company needed. And it was very interesting to see what fell off. Delegation was not a biggie, but yeah. anyway, um, they run too fast to let's get this culture template template and put it on. So I want to say, start being the culture, not doing the culture to others, but I'm thinking why I'm pausing. I'm thinking of what we did to stimulate identifying a present tense culture. And we had a booklet. And we had them do fast responses to questions in that booklet. And then as we began to share them afterwards, people said, wow. So um, one of the question was, in your culture, what's written on the front of the t-shirt and what's on the back? (laughs) (laughs) And that told us a lot. We would say, what's the speed of your culture? Slow, moderate, fast. We asked a bunch of questions like that. It wasn't yeah, I'm, didn't we, assessment. Did, it was, do I have it right? Is, didn't, didn't we ask in terms of, you know, uh, what age would it, would yes. your culture be an adolescent, 
a right. toddler, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, we did a lot of synectics yes. work. So Synectic. yeah. Um, what happens if you make a big mistake in your company? How loud is your company? How soft, how quiet? It was a lot of questions like that. And it was incredible what we all learned when everybody shared their answers. And um, so that's another method to, to stir the conversation before they try to start laying a culture on top of their company. Well, so I would say yeah. that, that if you're working with a company and culture, slow it down. Don't implement it. Don't implement a culture, grow a culture. It needs to be, and honestly, it will grow or not, depending on how healthy it is and how you feed it. So there are some basic things yeah. like fairness, being seen, um, non-punitive, not um, some development of you know, learning. And that your group under managers, let's hear it from the managers, makes sense. So even if the company gets a little off kilter, your own little tribe makes sense. So if if I were to kind of frame You're trying my, to get me on track, Rob. No, I'm I'm trying to synthesize and frame up kind of where we are in the conversation. So I I'm hearing that that every conversation around culture should begin with first, what is the culture that your business demands? Yeah. And you ask the question, so what do you want it to be? Right. I think another component is is what I call the diagnostic. Right. So the exercise that you described was like saying, slow down, let's, let's, let's see what we learn uh, about our current reality. Mm -hmm. um, there's a company, Human Synergistics. I, I'm pretty sure they're still mm -hmm. in business. Yeah. They do an incredible cultural assessment. Yeah, I uh, that. You remember that? I think you probably brought it to us because we used it as a way to- That uh, food lion, right? Yeah, it, yeah. It, what they did for us, they didn't do the work for us, but they gave us a language uh -huh. uh, and behaviors to talk about where we wanted to shift the culture. So it yeah. was really neat. So the yeah. diagnostic part. Yeah, and, and uh, I was doing it through a crazy questionnaire. So whichever works. Yeah, so here's a question I have for you because I honestly get, I get a little confused sometimes. What, wh how would you distinguish a vision versus culture? Do they exist together? Or I know they're different, but how are they different and how can one inform the other or not? Yes, and what is your answer? <laughs> <laughs> a good coach never knows the answer to the question they're asking. No, it's Lawyers so easy. Do. Lawyers it's so do. damn yeah. easy to be the coach. Um, I think vision is very aspirational yeah that if we were doing if we were living the life we want to live if we were being the company we wanted to be what would it look like yeah there's that and then what is the culture we need to support that vision which needs to include all the hard edges of the business need the business strategy yeah. so it might be incredibly cost conscious but so i would say vision is aspirational based on becoming the company you want the company to be. The culture is the processes, both overt and not, that support that, that grease the way. 
And behind that comes probably, um, well, certainly, I see people miss up strategy and tactics and all that, but would be, so therefore, how are we gonna work? Yeah. And then how do we, then you know, the sidebars are, how do we de develop people to do that work, to become that vision, to um, what's that culture? And the culture holds people there too. If you like the culture, you stay. Yeah, for sure, for sure. How, how about- Did I answer that? I think I answered You did, you did. No, you did, a, I thought you did quite well in terms but of- thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, culture kind of is like, you know, is, this is where you are. Vision is more aspirational. Um, but that teaches you how to shift the culture if it's needed. Okay, that's where I was going to go. So, so if I'm looking at the vision and I'm saying, boy, I see some real gaps in our yeah. current behavior yeah. or our way of being with one yeah. another, um, how do you even begin to turn that ship around? Can you think of an example or some examples of that? Yeah, I started thinking about something else while you were talking. Well, then. <laughs> no, I was thinking how in, um, we'll talk about Hannaford again, a sales culture yeah. in New England was not a very big deal. It was all about execution and command and control and clarity. And so we shifted it because it needed to be more oriented to marketing and sales. I mean, uh, even when Hannaford gave money away, they'd go, shh, don't yeah. tell anybody. It's not in New England, we don't do that. So, um, you know, we, I think to talk about how to shift a culture to fit the vision, to fit that and the vision that, and the strategy that fits the vision, is a long, at least if you want to do a drastic change, a very long three, three to five year process, I think, in a large company. And you've got to massage the new skills and the new way of being slowly. That's why I'm very against denouncing a culture change. A good culture grows until it's there. Yeah. How else to put it? Well, and I, as if it grows and it's more robust, a culture and it meets the needs of the company, the old will fall away. Yeah. Yeah. And you can be overt about some of that, but I'm all for subversive culture change. <laughs> well, you know, it's a good example of that. And I, I don't know if this is what you were uh, describing. When people ask me one of the most significant uh, interventions in my career, uh, I wasn't leading it. But the introduction of the customer counts program mm -hmm. at Hannaford, which I think yeah. is at the heart of having a shift from productivity and, and profit and efficiency and execution, it didn't, it didn't literally eliminate those by any stretch, but it really shifted the focus on our relationship with the customer mm -hmm. and how to make it real, uh, that vision about having uh, an incredible shopping experience. Yeah, so the, and you can see that marketing. Go ahead. Well, it just the fact that over a three to five year period, we went from not even on the radar screen. I mean, right. we've paid lift service to the customer. The right. customer's always right, you know, but really uh, truing up uh, in our uh, rewards and focus 
um, that, that was a, that was, I ultimately think that was one of the breakthrough interventions that, that Hannifer did, uh, at least in that era. Yeah, and, and marketing as a whole has begun to shift to, we went from pushing product out to having the consumer pull the customers, yes. Yes. pull the product to them. And that's going on in every business now. You know, it, what I think is important, and this perhaps is my own take on culture, a, a healthy culture can enable you to play in many sandboxes at a high level at the same time. Meaning that I think so many companies think that it's an either or, you know, we're either gonna be efficient and cut costs and, uh -huh. and drive cost out of the system, or we're gonna give the customer what they want. I think a healthy culture allows you to, to kind of knit uh, the strategy that ultimately gets executed. Does that make any sense? It does. I was just, I was thinking about how, um thinking about feminine leadership yeah, and masculine leadership and um, command and control versus high participation. I think we need, oh gosh, we need human leadership and smart as heck strategy. I don't know. How. Oh. And I think boundaries are being broken every place. Where, where, like, where is school? Where does learning occur? So I, I think that the levels um, of what you can do when and who and how are going to become very fluid. It's going to be a little chaotic, but um, and I think I'd post opportunities for all levels for a big deal change. And then uh, I think there'll be pods of work and there'll be, they'll, you'll apply to go do a pod A work, which is changing the layout of the store or how to use AI, how to use artificial intelligence better, but there'll be a lot of fluidity and therefore a change in compensation that's gonna be really big. Yeah. Like what if you had a base pay for living in the culture, but then you got a bump if you worked on a project and volunteered and got chosen and it came to a good fruition got off the uh, topic but no but healthy I think that's the kind of culture that's coming yes yeah and you know as much as you say where is school I could say where's the store is it on your absolutely phone? stores are gone 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 um, they're going to be showrooms you know so so what are the implications we we could go on and on but let's we're getting close to time. You try um, to ground it. <laughs> okay. Well, no one. I, I, okay, let's take turns on nuggets. Okay, so one nugget uh, is putting time and focus on culture is important to the vitality and health of an organization. Stating two, the two. know the present culture and period. Three, culture is defined by what people at every level of the organization say about how work and things get done around here. Four, culture is also things that don't get said but are the hidden 
pitfalls <laughs> you can fall in and then you know you have betrayed a cultural norm. Five, getting clear about the vision and then looking at the culture as it exists and what needs to change is a critical part of moving a culture forward. What number are we on, six? We're on six. We're <laughs> going to come up to 10. Six, do not lay a culture written by a few people on top of a company. Don't teach them a culture. You can do a plan to begin to create the culture. Seven, don't implement a culture. Maybe this is similar to what you just said, mm -hmm. but seven, don't bring the organization uh, a set of uh, new attributes and way things are going to happen and then expect anything to happen. It takes seven, eight. eight. It takes um, three to five years to establish a culture shift, period. Nine, little things can make a big difference in shifting a culture. Mm -hmm. A new store manager, a new CEO, uh, a new strategic uh, uh, project or initiative that shifts the focus on the company, mm -hmm. small things can shift a culture. And there, yeah, nine or 10, <laughs> why can't I count? <laughs> <laughs> um, there are some tenets, and especially for HR and OD, of what works in a culture that go across all business, get really clear on those and then embed them in everything you do, whether it's a team building or a, a discussion, if learning is a big deal, then after every meeting, what did we learn? Get clear OD practitioners on the tenets you believe are the most important and then embed them in everything you do without saying this is a big cultural shift, just do it. Do it. So this has been a great conversation. I know we're only kind of getting started. I think we'll circle back to culture at some point. Wait for the nine week webinar. <laughs> Wait for the nine week. <laughs> well, I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to a seminar in a couple of weeks uh, around culture, and uh, depending on how well it goes, I may talk to the presenter and ask him to be a guest maybe in the future. Why not? And also, we got to find our booklet. Damn, I'll tell you, I'm so glad you brought that up because I know it was yellow. And I, people, I played it with the top C suite levels across Europe. So don't think you can't play games and make a big change. Yeah. So I, that's going to be your assignment between now and the next time to see if you can come up and find that yellow booklet. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. That, or okay. think of someone you worked with that was a hoarder that may. I uh, still have a copy of it. Oh, I've, I've been writing to people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll find it. I'll hey, find till, it. till the next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Bob and Joyce podcast. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode and picked up an idea or two to go forward and do great work. For more information, please visit us at bobandjoyce.com. If you like today's podcast, please click subscribe. And even better, give us a quick review on Apple Podcasts. It supports us and helps others to find the show. If you'd like more ODHR content, please follow us on Facebook by searching for Bob and Joyce Podcasts. Until the next time, be well and be safe.